0: Welcome to the latest edition of the Carmichael Governance Podcast. I'm Dermot O'Kirbwui, CEO of Carmichael. Carmichael is a charity that provides supports to other Irish charities, particularly in the area of governance. You can find details of what we do and a wide range of free resources on our website. That's carmichaelireland.ie. You can also find previous editions of our governance podcast on our website or on your favourite podcast platform, be that SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, Acast.
1: Delighted to have as
0: our guest today Liam Lynch. Liam, you're very welcome. Maybe before we dive into the whole area of cybersecurity, um, you might just give us a little bit of the background
1: of your, how you've ended up doing what you're doing. Sure, no problem, dear and Thank you for having me on here today. I suppose, people of my era, there was no such thing as cybersecurity uh, when we were going through college or even in the early years of my, my, my career. Um, but I started, uh, I started my career as a programmer. Uh, way back in the eighties, uh, I was actually doing COBOL programming on uh, IBM AS/400s, uh, as, 400s, as to what they were known. They're very old uh, technology now, but um, yeah, I was kind of working there as a programmer in uh, a place in Shannon, um, and I kind of always had, a, I suppose, a knack for working with computers. You know, uh, pulling them apart, fixing them, um, uh, and and that. And PCs were becoming a, a thing in an office uh, at that time as well, so. I started getting exposed to the actual the hardware that was in place in the office. So, as I say, loved tinkering around with it, and I kind of got in uh, doing a bit of IT work, I suppose, what you'd now call IT work, you know, work, working with the computers uh, at that time. Uh, so I... Uh, the, the, that initial job uh, kind of shut down, uh, the, they, they closed down the office in Shannon, and I ended up moving to Dublin then for my, uh, the, the required uh, t- time for people from down the country to have to spend in the big smoke. Um, so I, I came up to uh, Dublin, I worked there as a programmer as well again, uh, but had a bit of IT still on the side uh, with uh, with my new employers up there. So uh, I really kind of got into the IT then with that, because there was an awful lot of uh, of that um, kind of you know, being required in the office, we were growing. Uh, we had a small wee office there in, just on the Harcourt Road there in Dublin. We moved out to Temple Oak, to a much bigger office out there. So there was a bigger requirement for an IT person. So I kind of took more on that role rather than the programming. So that kind of slipped away from me. But I really enjoyed the IT side. So I just, And I kind of always had it with... Um, Uh, cybersecurity was kind of in mind. Now, as I say, it wasn't really a topic still being talked about, even in the 90s that much. But it did become more and more relevant as uh, time went by. Hacking groups started appearing uh, online. There there, there, there was Chinese hackers, there was Iranian hackers, and there was all sorts of defacements of websites and things going on, um, launched by different kind of nation states and hacking groups. Um, so I really kind of got interested in that and how particularly on how to defend uh, an organization or, or businesses from those type of things. So I was you know, kept uh, up to date with all the latest, um, uh, you know, what was happening in the news um, and learning then from reading from uh, people who were experts in the field. And this is when cybersecurity started really becoming a thing. So it's kind of always watching what was going on there and learning from those and um, I finally uh, got a, an opportunity to move back from my, my time in Dublin, my time away from home, back down to Limerick to a, a, another job in Shannon, uh, a person actually I worked with uh, originally in my first job in Shannon uh, was heading up an office in Shannon, so uh, there was a role opened up there, so I got in there. And that was uh, that was all purely IT, um, it was only a small bit of, a, of programming, and I had a team for doing the programming for me at that stage. But the IT really took my focus then, so I got in a lot of experience then on uh, doing, particularly business resilience, um, uh, making sure uh, locations were uh, able to defend or to protect against um, you know incidents that might happen. Like uh, uh, particularly some of the offices that were in my the business unit I was working with were in places like the Caribbean, you know, where they get hurricanes. I had to make sure that those offices were well able to recover from any incident, so I got a lot of experience with that. Um, uh, that side of things, making uh, offices much more um, you know, reliant and resilient from uh, disasters that might occur. And the but the whole I, I say the cybersecurity side was still always kind of there. Any time time we took over, if we did an acquisition, the company I worked for at the time did a lot of acquiring of businesses. So bringing in a new business that would have done things differently would have to go in, take a look at what their systems were and how we could best secure them before we bring them into the into the mother load. So I kept doing that up until the uh, uh, around the mid mid twenty tens twenty fourteen we parted ways, and I was there looking at uh, opportunities. You know, and I really really loved the cybersecurity space. So I, that's when I set up my own business, and uh, you know I knew what I needed to know to be able to help. Uh, Organisations defend themselves and protect themselves from the uh, the, the evil doers that are out there, the criminals that are that are plaguing businesses to this day. So that's, I suppose, where I kind of i, I worked. I you know did my career as IT, but then you know I knew what I needed to get into what I really wanted. So really
0: good. Now you you were bringing me back to another country. <laughs> I used to do some COBOL programming on <laughs> AS four hundred, but that seems like in the, the the distant distant past now. Different. So we, the way we. Our careers evolve and go different directions, but uh, no, that that's very interesting. You're also a member of the Carmichael Training Panel. Um, you might tell us the sorts of sort of assignments you do on
1: wearing that particular hat. I initially came on as on the panel to doing a GDPR type training uh, for the various um, uh, organisations, um, and in recent years now, you've you've started looking at cyber security stuff, which was great, and particularly the, 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 like so, like there have been some. Um, specific, uh, customized training for some of the, the, the businesses that approached Carmichael looking for customized training. So, you know, I've I've done both GDPR and uh, cybersecurity training specifically uh, for for some of the uh, clients, would say, and uh, but I've also done uh, so, some of the, the the standard kind of training on your spring summer schedule and your autumn winter schedules for the last few years. Like so, there's been a something factored in there. Yeah, yeah,
0: that that particular program you do on on cyber cybersecurity for for management. Mm -hmm. That's when we get a lot of interest in that one. You might sort of, what what sort of things are covered and if somebody attended that workshop for cybersecurity, what sort of things would you be touching on and and
1: who's it aimed at really? So that one for management would be kind of targeted kind of towards board or management uh, people um, because what I outline in that uh, initially would be talking about the, the risks that the staff in, in the organization would face because uh, you know it's not just looking out for a, a dodgy email uh, there, there could be other um, avenues that people are trying to catch people out, get them to give up their uh, email password you know their email address and password so that criminals can then log into their email accounts and take over their email uh, in behind the scenes um, Also things like ransomware. Uh, they need to know you know what is ransomware and how they could be affected by it but what simple measures they can take put in place uh, to protect the organization from from the things like ransomware and it's not just ransomware but any other kind of incident because you can have all sorts of, of things like a, a, you know a fire or flood could uh, you know wipe out a, an office which contains your IT so how how would you recover from that so you know, I cover things in that area about how to, how you handle those incidents. But then, with the whole COVID situation and people are working from home a lot, uh, I would also cover about uh, looking at how the staff should be set up to be able to work from home in a secure manner, and uh, what what do they need in their home environment to do so securely.
0: Just on that, do you think some people? psychologically to put the guard down when they're working from home, and that it's, sort of, it's a different environment, that they forget that the bad guys are still out
1: there. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that is one thing, that you know, people are m- much more relaxed uh, when they're in the, the home and they might think nothing of maybe using the company laptop to let the, the children uh, do some browsing or watching some YouTube um, you know, on the company, will say, laptop, which really isn't a good idea at all. You know, company laptop should be work for for work purposes. You have your home laptops for for watching your Netflix and, and YouTube and stuff. So yeah, so people do. You know, might think it's it's you know it's it's less secure. They don't have to worry so much as they would inside in the office. What
0: would be the, some of the common issues you'd come across with how boards approach the whole concept of cybersecurity? You know, I think those that are coming to those type of workshops are, are doing have some awareness of the importance of it. But generally, what, in your experience, how good are charity boards at Taking the whole issue of cyber security uh, seriously, given have we seen the devastation just just take with the HGC there, you know,
1: when it hits, it can be devastating for for an organisation. But oh yeah, um, like uh, ransomware particularly is very very uh, uh, disruptive um, because it affects everything. You know, all of the usually all of the laptops, all of the devices that are in the the, the office environment or that's been affected, you know, they're all going to be dead, unusable. So uh, and. People are then presented with this message saying, oh, pay this money and you'll get your data back and you'll be back in business. And this was one of the problems I, I had around the messaging, around ransomware particularly, uh, before the PHSC incident actually occurred. There was a lot of um, experts out there saying, Asher, look, just pay the ransom, you'll get, your, you'll get the key, you'll get your data back and you're back in business. It's, it's like that. It's quick, simple. But it's not. Like with the HSE, we saw that they had the incident on a Friday. They were given the key on the Monday, and there were still five months before they were able to finish recovering all their data. So it, ransomware, particularly, is is is, is very very d- damaging. But just coming back to then to the boards, then what they need, or you know, what they may not realise is just how badly they might be affected. They might think, oh sure, nobody would come after us. We're a charity. We're we're good guys. You know we're we're doing good good things for people. Yes, you are, but these criminals, which is what they are, don't don't call them hackers. They're criminals. These people don't care who you are or what you do. They just want money. End of story. Money. Now you can negotiate with them. You can get the price down, but really you need to uh, take some measures. To address the situation, you know, if, uh, if you get your data back, you have to protect your, your, your organisation from further incidents.
0: People don't realise how prevalent... Uh, we, we, we run a board chairs network, um, and we'd have board chairs at a meeting, and the issue of cyber security came up, and we just asked, of the there was 20 board chairs in in the room, this is times when we could have in-person in meetings, but how many of their organisations had had a cyber security incident in the last 12 months mm-hmm. 16 out of the 20 put their hands up yeah. now come came from some minor sort of fishing type things to very serious attempted frauds that, ha- that happened there so I think there is that sometimes of people that can be a little bit you know laissez-faire about the whole thing mm-hmm. uh, and so one of the things we get when we're talking to, to charities is you know because most charities are are very small organisations with limited resources. We don't have the resources, or the infrastructure, or the people to do. From your experience of being the sort of providing practical advice, what sort of things every organisation should do, regardless of size, to sort of help try and minimise and protect themselves from cybersecurity threats and attacks?
1: Like it's, um, you know, they've got to. I suppose staff training is a, very, is a critical one, always has been, um, uh, and everybody in the cybersecurity business will tell you that staff training, making them aware of what you know, might be coming at them and the steps they can do to pr- protect themselves. Uh, but there are other kind of measures which some of them are free uh, to implement, things like multi-factor authentication, which is where you, you might be familiar with, uh, with the banks now that they're doing that. If you do a payment online with the banks, you get a text message or you get a notification on your phone from their banking app. So these are kind of a second factor in, in trying to, you know, is this you making this payment? The same thing with, say, gaining access to your accounts. You can put on this multi-factor authentication, uh, turn it on so that when you're logging into your accounts with your uh, user ID and password, you also have to give a code uh, maybe from a text message or from an app on your phone. So these kind of very simple measures can be used to help defend from most of the uh, uh, situations that might occur. But other things like maybe taking some simple backups of the data will help to protect against uh, a ransomware incident or even a, a devastating flood or fire uh, in, in a premises. So these kind of are very small, simple steps that. You know, any organisation, big or small, it won't cost the earth, um, you know, to to, to 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 put this in place.
0: I think just having a discussion and a policy is a first first step. You know, you know, here in Carmichael, after the HSC, you know, we had a discussion a boardroom and said, well, what would be our position if we were got a ransomware um, demand for our systems? You know, how react so that we had thought through what that might look like before it actually happened because when it happens you're in mad panic yeah. and I think, I think usually just thinking well what is, what is the worst case and the fact we have backed up to very backup systems and we said well what is the worst case yeah. um, and we you know so I think just even have that discussion at the board in terms of what what would be the worst case how would you handle it what is your policy and our our policy is we won't pay any ransom we, we you know it wouldn't be good use of our our, our charitable funds to put to, to pay off some criminals so but but sometimes you, you you mightn't have that choice but um the other thing you mentioned is 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 training mm-hmm. how often because you know you know we're we're in the training business but sometimes it's just we get Blase sometimes about. So, how often would you recommend organizations that have some training
1: or, or awareness creation in yeah. their organizations? So, there's um, like, you know, typically we would say once a year for staff just to, because, like, my material, the material I was delivering six years ago is vastly different to the material I'm delivering today because it's constantly changing and evolving. And, like, I'd say uh, the training I did uh, uh, today. Um, I'll be given that training again in a month's time, and I know it's going to be different by then. So it's always evolving. It's always changing. So it's, um, it's something that, you know, you sh- like, it doesn't maybe need to be a, f- a huge session every year, but just something, you know, half an hour, an hour, uh, for the staff, just to show them the latest and uh, greatest th- threats that are out there.
0: Currently now, what would be some of the, the latest ones that you've seen recently or you, you've come across that... Um that, yeah, uh, that's at that's new, or that's 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 yeah, that's a new yeah. level of sophistication.
1: Uh, There's a lot of the um, uh, stealing of uh, cr- of credentials uh, is going on, and they're getting very very sophisticated with them. The emails they're sending in. Uh, you know, are really believable. They, you know, we're used to all the, the poorly worded, bad grammar, bad punctuation messages. These people have actual English-speaking people on the staff and they make very, very, very professional-looking emails which looks like, oh, yeah, you better click on this quick. You know, or you might be going through a registration for uh, an event, an actual event you might actually be registering for, it, but somebody might tag on to the end of that saying, oh, do you want to re- put this into your calendar? So you'll be reminded of the event. Log into your email by by going in here. So this kind of lures people into thinking that, yes, you know, oh, yeah, I'm going to put this in my calendar, email, password, and now they're compromised. Now, of course, if they have the multi-factor authentication, then, yeah, you know, that, that, that will prevent the criminals from getting any further than that. So that's why that is kind of crucially important. But, yeah, stealing of accounts is the big thing at the moment because the people who steal them then, um, they will... Usually, sell on that access to other groups like that might try and take over the email account, set up forwarding rules to find out, uh, you know, who you pay invoices to, who you who you interact with, um, and then they might try and step into it in the middle of a, an invoice payment and say, "Oh, here's the invoice you're expecting, but here's some new bank details uh, that we've we've changed bank accounts. Please pay us, pay us here." Uh, the other people then they sell the access, those other people sell the access to is the ransomware uh, uh, gangs that are out there that uh, will then use that access to gain get into your systems and hit you for ransomware. So yeah, the access brokers are the, 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 the hot thing at the moment. We had
0: an experience of that um, not not so long ago. And again, it is a time which you think these are in and out. You may have clicked on something, you expect something to happen. It could be months mm-hmm. before they act so you, you think, okay, I touched it. Nothing happened, so everything is fine. And it's, that as you say there are Trojans collecting that information. We had one today. My finance manager got it purportedly from me mm-hmm. to pay somebody in, in, in the UK um, something like 22,000, an odd number anyway. But you know it, was, it wasn't the level of sophistication that's out there. There are ones that are even more sophisticated. So I think it's the watchword, is be aware, keep that awareness levels up and have those sort of awareness levels through all levels of the staff because the points of contact are quite varied, you know, and in your organisation can be vulnerable at any level, and um, just just doing that. Um, just now that we're going back into you know, whatever the new normal is, but but we're 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 changing again. We had a period where the vast majority of us were working from home now coming back into the office are, are there any additional things we need to be aware of or thinking about as as we sort of reintegrate to whether part-time or full-time back in the in the office environment
1: for the the people that would be say that had been working from home and are now coming back to working in the office maybe they're bringing their laptop back into the office probably would be a good idea just in case the laptop had been used for the children or for the netflixing or general browsing um, that it might be checked over by the IT to make sure there's nothing nefarious on there and that it's okay. But for the the, the kind of hybrid environment still, it does get a bit, you know, it complicates the the whole setup so that you you need to make sure you're still kind of protecting um, those devices that are still out in the home environment. Don't forget about them. Uh, Like in the olden days, um, back in the early days of my my career anyway, where you had an office, uh, you were able to, you know, Put a, kind of a virtual uh, perimeter around the, the, the uh, office environment with a, with a firewall, but now that people are using the cloud, you know that's kind of outside of the firewall. That's up in somebody else's computer. Um, you know, and people then uh, working from home, they're coming through different interne- internet connections that you have no, ex- no visibility on. So, yeah, it's it, managing that kind of uh, um, varied environment gets very very difficult. Um, but as long as there are some very basic kind of uh, uh, solutions in place like that, making sure all of the um, the laptops are all uh, kept up to date fully, that would should have antivirus software on there. Now, antivirus is, you know, it, it's not a perfect solution, but it's better than nothing, and I always recommend somebody should have that on there. Um, but then, as well, uh, you know, having a, maybe a, uh, having a firewall in an office environment would be a good idea, uh, if there was, uh, you know, if you had if you had an office, so that's always just kind of important to give it a little bit of extra protection uh, where it matters. But yeah, keeping the remote uh, things uh, updated and um, uh, patched is very very important because that's what the criminals are always looking for.
0: And again, going back to the sector route that we work in, in terms of the charity sector, is there which is resources or help out there? You know, for for organisations, is they... They, they hear all this stuff. The last thing we want to do is get the ostrich effect and put the head in the sand and say, well, we, we can't, we're too small. Are there things, resources, or things that people can go to that can get practical solutions or guidelines or, or things?
1: Yeah, there's unfortunately there's not a huge amount available, but the um, the there's the National Cyber Security Centre, which is like something that's actually been around for a while, but it came into um, a big, big Picture when the HSE incident occurred last year, and uh, everybody discovered suddenly that we didn't actually have a director for the National Cyber Security Centre. But they have now uh, started ramping up their outreach kind of activities. They're sharing lots of information. Uh, you know, they, they sent out a, a kind of a, an advisory about the whole say the Ukraine uh, invasion situation and what cyber risks might be arising uh, uh, you know, uh, from that. Um, which was basically there was nothing really to worry about from a, a an, an Irish government perspective at that time, uh, but that cyber criminals were going to be increasing in their activity, so that was a, a piece of advice that they issued, so uh, following them uh, would be a good step. The data Protection Commission also puts out some very very useful cyber security related uh, uh, guidance from time to time as well, so they 'd be worthwhile uh, checking on. And, and again, following for any advice. Um, but generally, there's not you know, too many Irish-based um, or, or even charitable-based um uh, information really that's out there that would be kept, you know, maybe kept up to date. Yeah, I
0: think the challenge for a lot of organisations is kept up to date. But mm-hmm. as you said, that National Cyber Security Centre, they do have good guidance documents in terms of the policy, yeah. which which is this first step in sort of what what should we need to be doing. Mm-hmm. The, the ongoing challenge of keeping up to date is is a global problem. You know, you you have major multinational companies struggling with this, so it, it is it's, it's 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 helping you. Get, keeping yourself up to date by find, you know, find, going to the experts, because really this is a, is a, an expert area, because you, you like I remember being at a talk where PwC decided, to, given it all their resources, that they couldn't manage all the risks, so they, they they handed it over to Amazon Web Services to manage their cybersecurity systems, because they said that it was just a constant, constant challenge, um, because they would be a prime target for for, for attack um so it's it is a big big issue. So, but for, for small charters you won't you won't be able to do that. But getting keeping yourself informed and, and, and going 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 getting get expert advice and to
1: help you keep up to speed, I think. And some of it isn't expensive. Like there's uh, okay, you may not afford Amazon web services, but there's plenty of of uh, uh, small consultancies out there that uh, are, are happy to help. Um, charitable charities and not-for-profits very good
0: excellent so now that, that's that's been that's been a fascinating and it is one in an area that we, we we know it's out there and and as i say you know, i'd be surprised if most people haven't had had some touch um and, and some some of that touch has been maybe quite a, a blow or two um on the, in terms of cyber attacks um just just to there's one question I ask all my guests, just as as a sort of a as a final parting thing, is to say, well, what would you like to see? If you had three wishes, you know, you know the genie came out of the bottle and says, "Liam, you have three wishes for the charity sector." From your perspective, what sort of th- things would you like to see uh, happening in the charity sector over the next five years?
1: I was. Involved in a, an organisation that uh, had looked at uh, registering to be a charity at one time. Now it turned out they weren't. Uh, it wasn't appropriate for them to have done so. But I remember that I was kind of adjacent to the whole process, and uh, it seemed to be very, very, very involved. Um, very um, um, you know, really took an awful lot of time and effort from the people who were doing it. And uh, in fact, uh, one of the people who were involved in that company, he, there, he's also involved in a uh, another. Uh, community scheme that's just starting up, and he attended uh some of the national training fund uh training on the charities code there recently and uh he came back to me and said this this is great stuff he's definitely looking to go ahead with you know getting his ch- community scheme up and in, into the registered with the charities regulator, but he said it's going to be a huge ask, so I think you know making easier registration would be a big thing um also i'm sure you know every charity could do with more funding from the government um you know but you know how how, how well that might happen i don't know but the, i suppose the so, uh, kind of the corollary then to that would be the third one would be that you know hopefully the economy will recover uh you know from well we were hoping it will recover from covid until this uh ukraine situation kicked off so um you know we need the economy to get back so that people will be able to donate uh, more because we know the Irish people are are fierce good at, at donating to charity, so I think that would be um, the, the 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 only one that will work really.
0: Very very good. I, I can hear your pain in terms of an, a new organisation thinking and getting registered. Um, it is a process that I think, as I said, the first thing: do we need to? And if we do need to, and there are reasons why you will need to, yeah. um, is to think through, think it through, and like cybersecurity policies and systems, the governance code. Maybe it's daunting, but they are critical for, for, to run, run, run your organisation well. So investing the time up front can pay dividends down on the road. So, Liam, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate your, your insights
1: and sharing them here today. So thank you. And thank you, Earmit, for having me on here today. I appreciate it. Delighted. Delighted it. It. Great.
0: Thank you for listening to our latest Carmichael Governance Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did it would be of great benefit to us if you could give it a rating, as that helps to create greater awareness of these podcasts. So until the next time, Slon go fóil.